May I watch Cinderella rather than England playing? Do you think Rod Stewart's sexy? Would you take him sailing? I know we're all on tenterhooks since the last episode when Martin couldn't be asked to Google (laughs) how many times Kelsey Grammer had played Frasier. Why do we keep Martin around? (laughs) Uh, But luckily, Stephen Chicken... Uh, on Twitter at Helen and Ollie staunch listener Stephen Chicken Uh, he has been in touch he has done the maths because we were saying in the last episode it could be that we have played the parts of Helen Ollie and Martin the Soundman as many times as Kelsey Grammer had played Frasier but I'm talking Cheers as well this is it yeah Cheers is a long running series correct yeah we all know that Martin (laughs) so as far as your Wikipedia wings could fly you last time (laughs) took us to 263 episodes of Frasier Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, so obviously easily we beat that yeah Yeah. ages ago as Helen pointed out you've got to take into account Cheers Stephen's done the power googling there was also a spin-off sitcom called Wings. What? Based around what? some of the Cheers characters uh, had cameos in it because it was written by the same people and it was set in an airport. In Boston Airport? Uh, Nantucket, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Oh, no, not this again. This Apparently again, I say renumerate wrong a, as well. It's a runner. You not being able to pronounce Massachusetts, a place <laughs> you've been to. Anyway, um, I didn't know that that sitcom existed, so... No, does that mean it, it lasted less than a series? It did. And how, uh, how many Frasers appear in that? <laughs> Frasier appeared in Wings once. Oh. But obviously, you know, if if we were approaching the number of Answer Me This Is, which is currently 333, that, that one could still come into play, couldn't it? Tip us over the edge. It's true. Uh, so we've got 263 episodes of Frasier. We've got one episode of Wings. Nail-biting stuff. How many episodes of Cheers were there? Loads. Uh, yeah, 203. Frasier oh. was in 203. Oh. God, how much Cheers was Christ! Um, So the total number, once you do all the maths, is 467 appearances. Oh no, it's years off! Uh, So yeah, so we've got 134 episodes to go until we equal Kelsey's run. I'm so tired! How did he do it? He was paying a million dollars an episode by the end, wasn't he? That's probably how. I'm sorry to hear, Helen, that you are distressed uh, that we have many episodes to go. Yeah. Um, However, there is something even more distressing has happened to you in the last week. Uh, (laughs) Yes, this is the part of the show. We're setting a tradition now. Uh, Last episode. (laughs) last episode uh, we were filling you in on my personal tragedies why Uh, are you building this up as if I have anything to equal that um, no okay fine no one's dead my problems are trivial well trivial you say that yeah we've been kicked out of uh, the flat where answer me this was suggested by you at our housewarming that would have been the conception would it we've recorded nearly every episode here so what's happened your landlord's chucked you out our landlord is moving back in after 10 years you're evicted he said if he was a reality TV character Well, he might have said that, but it came through the letting agent. So because they really like me, because my emails of complaint are humorously phrased, uh, (laughs) they really softened that blow. Oh, really? How did they put it? Uh, Well, they were really upset about it. They were dreading giving me that call. How did they say it? She said, I'm so disappointed for you. But I'm disappointed because I know that this place where we've recorded Answer Me This for the last nine and a half years is a place that you would have probably carried on living had the rent not increased uh, for another 10 years again. Until I couldn't crawl up the steep stairs anymore. Yeah. Here's a question from a chap called Daniel. Uh, He says, For the past year or so, I've done some voluntary work to expand FreeFunk, a decentralised free and open mesh network. What? This is mainly to provide refugees with access to the internet. As part of this work, we recently had to install equipment in a church tower. Doing so involved drilling a few holes into the wall. None of this would be a problem uh, if it weren't for a kestrel 
that has a nest in the tower. Shit! You think this is a question about do-gooding? <laughs> then you think it's a question about towers. <laughs> then a kestrel turns up. Oh, this is Changes amazing. the game. <laughs> I was concerned, continues Daniel, that the kestrel got traumatised by the noise and the vibration caused by our drilling, which is why I want to ask Helen, answer me this. Is it okay to cause distress to a bird family in this way in the service of a generally valuable project? Well, lately... I really feel a lot of sympathy with kestrels because they are the renters of the bird world (laughs) because they don't build their own nests. They move into nests built by other species. Uh. So they're probably used to some discomfort as we renters are. Uh, Kestrels have actually adapted very well to man-made environments and uh, they can survive in the centre of cities and uh, they nest in buildings and they hunt on major roads. So I think the kestrel probably wasn't too disturbed by noise. Um, Ah. They have done studies that suggest birds, uh, they suffer increased stress because of human activity, but it was temporary. You're not drilling in the kestrel's party wall every day, Mm. like our neighbours seem to have been for the last two years. (laughs) I will miss them terribly. Um, So I think probably it was worth disturbing that one kestrel for the greater good, but then that's kind of how I skew anyway. The discomfort of the few for the benefit of the many. It strikes me that because Daniel is working on this worthy project... He sees everything through a different lens than if he were a big business. If he were a big business, and he that was that kestrel would be charged rent exactly. <laughs> and he was he clear was, channel would be right in there. <laughs> he was turning that church tower not into a phone mast for refugees, but into a you know a branch of curries or whatever. Mm-hmm. He would be saying, "Well, okay, I know we have environmental responsibilities, but it's only a bird. So long as we factor into our plans space for birds." And we've done the right thing by nature. I, I mean, I know that's how really big companies think when they do massive land grabs on uh, nature reserves, isn't it? The, the Disney company, uh, when they built Disney World, promised and delivered a massive uh, wildlife sanctuary, which is amazing. Apparently, I've never been because why would you? It's next to Disney World. <laughs> I want to go to Disney World. The last place you want to see wildlife. <laughs> Apparently, you can go and visit this nature reserve where you see birds and fish that they would naturally have in the kind of mudplains that Disney World was built upon that have been preserved and encouraged to thrive over 40 years. And actually, you know, obviously it's improved land conditions because of all the money that's gone into protecting it. So the, the company then says, well, yeah, we built our ridiculous plastic palace on top of thousands of species of animals. But look at look what we've done for you, nature. We went to a very strange place on our recent road trip in Idaho. Oh, yeah. On the map, it was supposed to be a, a particularly good sanctuary for birds. Mm-hmm. What it, didn't you talk about in the Morley Nelson Snake River National Wildlife Preservation with birds of prey in it? It was also a sanctuary for words. <laughs> um, it was also a uh, practice zone for military manoeuvres. Oh, yeah. The sound of firing <laughs> is quite disturbing to birds. They have very sensitive hearing. Yeah. And apparently it has diminished the bird population. Mm. So those things, I would say, are not compatible. So we drove around for what felt like many hours and saw no birds. I never made it to the end of freedom, but does Jonathan Franzen have an opinion on this? I've forgotten. I skipped quite a lot. <laughs> I think Patty's all right, though. That's the important oh, thing. Oh, it's such a good book, isn't it? And In then, parts. And then you get to the bit about birds and you're like, uh, oh. Was it all for this? Cronk. <laughs> Here's 50 pages I've got to wade through. <laughs> I didn't. I just skipped them. Oh, yeah, well, that's what I should have done because I was enjoying the whole like American Beauty-esque kind of yeah, you know, God's eye view of these yeah. Yeah, teenagers oh, struggling through their lives. Strip mining. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, oh, birds. Thanks, Franzen. Katie from Birmingham. Answer me this. 
how does one responsibly dispose of vibrators? I think it's very good that she wants to be responsible about this because like many electrical goods, if uh, improperly disposed of, vibrators will leach toxic chemicals into the ground and be landfill because the silicates and plastics they're not going to degrade yeah but i imagine that if you call the council there isn't a special sex toys bin i mean well, i i know from experience getting rid of a clock radio was troublesome <laughs> enough i had to go especially around the back of the tesco express um but there was a bin for electronic items and i imagine you could put I've the got, vibrators I've, yeah. I've got this image now around the back of a tesco express and there's a landfill just full of vibrators full of- <laughs> anyway i think it is worth getting in touch with your council to find out how you are supposed <laughs> to dispose of no, it isn't. small electrical small Yes. Your local sex shop might have a scheme for oh, recycling really? sex toys or it might be affiliated with a scheme or know of a scheme. And in Britain, the oh, no. store Love Honey, you can send your sex toys off to them and they will recycle them. Oh, that's you. good. It is good. I was gonna, I thought you were going to say they'd have a system like, you know, where they send one to Africa and give you a new one or something. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they deserve sex toys too? Yeah. Is, there, is there a market for used erotica? Why are you asking me, us? Oh, yes. yeah, we've got a great sideline. We're like the only fools and horses of no, old no, there is, sex there is, toys. Like famously, a market for soiled underwear and stuff, isn't there? So, you, oh, I well, see. Do you really think there wouldn't be a market yeah, for yeah, a, yeah, something yeah. that's actually been inside someone's? So the kind of dirtiness is the appeal yeah, in yeah, some yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to, okay. to a niche, but that niche, I imagine, mm-hmm. is prepared to pay. Yeah. Well, that's also an option, Katie. <laughs> Selling them to fetishists. Yeah. If you've got a question. from John from Portsmouth who says my wife and I went to a house party with other couples from different friendship circles Uh one of the guests joked that the next game was keys in the bowl (laughs) this never materialised although I'm sure it did cross some of our minds oh you old rascal John Mm. I wonder if they were just joking and it was only you who thought that would be a good idea just to break it to the innocent people here this is like a notorious 70s sex party game where everyone put their car keys in a bowl and at the end the women picked the keys yes and went home with the key owner i think so everything was very heteronormative answer me this does this really happen at parties nowadays and how could one seriously propose this game without ruining a marriage and friendships um you could have your own 70s themed party <laughs> and talk about it so much at the beginning that by the time it's action stations no one's like <laughs> awkward laughter they still will feel awkward about it but you could also do the 70s thing of just doing loads of quaaludes and booze i think it is a lot more prevalent in popular culture than it ever really happened I mean, it seems to be a thing that really basically just happened in San Francisco and places like that, really. I mean, I'm sure it happened across the whole world, but really, like, on a large scale. I bet, really? it, I bet it happened in Birmingham. Um, uh, yeah, sure. I reckon anywhere where it was boring, there yeah. would be more impetus to do these things. But I, but it's everywhere now. Like, it was in the Ice Storm originally. Yeah. It, it's in How the Grinch Stole Christmas. No. Yeah, what? Yeah. They have a sex party in a Grinch thing. Yes. What? There's a flashback where they're telling the story of how the babies were born into Whoville. They right. land by umbrella rather in, than stalk. In the terrible film. Yes. Not in the car or the in, book. In, in the 2000 film starring Jim Carrey. No wonder that film bombed. <laughs> and anyway, in the flashback sequence when the baby is dropping from the sky in an umbrella, um, he drops outside a house where the adults inside are clearly engaging in a key party. Oh no. Yeah. But it's a joke for the adults. It's yeah. only like three seconds. But, but that's the wrong kind of joke for that kind of film. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, I agree that it would be very difficult to seriously propose it without ruining a marriage and friendships amongst my friendship circle. 
but I do think you'd know if you were the kind of person who had friends who'd be open-minded enough to do this or yeah. be interested in it. Or you could search online for swingers well, fixtures. And, and that's the real answer to the question, isn't it? I think these days, no, it doesn't happen spontaneously because uh, you can use the internet to make sure that people that are there are receptive to this kind of thing. Yes, um, you know what makes things fun? Prior organisation. Exactly. And there are guides now to how to organise your orgy online. Great. Um, this is one um, uh, from a page called How to Do an Orgy. Okay, what kind of snacks? Uh, it's actually... Hang, it, hang on, this is distinct from an orgy, though. A keypot is not an orgy, yeah. is it? Correct, but don't it, ruin it, my fun. Okay. Um, it's talking about how to get the Facebook invite right. Um, think of a cool name for your party. Forget things like my orgy party. That's just unoriginal and oh. might turn off some people. Damn it. You need to find something sensual that suggests your kind of party without blowing the whistle. My sexy orgy party. <laughs> You're not far <laughs> <Dot> off. <com. laughs> Try more along the lines of... These are serious suggestions. Mm-hmm. Fantasy Island... Oh, that's been done. Welcome to the sensual side. We have all the cute cookies. No, now, that's long terrible. to go on a Facebook invite. Mm. Terrible. Um, splurge your fantasies. Bit too jizzy. Bit too jizzy, definitely. Or even bring your own beef if you want to be funny. That could be like a barbecue with stand-ups. None of these sound sensual. So I think if that's a guide for people who are actually interested in this kind of thing and it sounds as flawed as that... Mm. Um, the idea that you'd actually just spring it on people when you could organise it before the event uh, you just would wouldn't you You'd, yeah. you want it to start almost immediately I don't think you want any awkward small talk at all and I know that a key party technically is not the same as an orgy because you're supposed to go home with a person whose keys are in the bowl but still the whole party you'd be aware that your keys were in that bowl at the front door wouldn't you well, so what if you don't drive oyster cards in the bowl yeah I don't know how that works it seems like an admin nightmare not to have your own keys yeah what if you had some bad twiglets and you really just want to go home and feel queasy and someone else has got your keys and they're fucking your partner? This is why you don't get invited to key parties. Well, also, I don't go to parties generally, so it's not a sex party thing. Also, it's going to damage the fishbowl. Oh, no not- one ever thinks of the fish. <laughs> is this a fishbowl thing? I yeah. just like, picture like one of those big 70s abstract clay fruit bowls. No, in America, it's a fishbowl. I think if you were a committed key party person then you probably buy a special fish bowl just for the key parties not for your fish what do you think you'd get one of those like nice ones from john lewis that says keys on it carved out of wood john lewis is catering for the key party people (laughs) well it's time for us to take an intermission and thus we are going to take one more opportunity to remind you that we have recorded a one-off one-hour exclusive album of special material about romance and love and sex squidgy things and it's called answer me this It is, and it's available now from the AnswerMeThisStore.com. I did, by the way, also buy AnswerMeThisStore.com on your suggestion. It's not my suggestion. It It was was. your own suggestion. No, you said you should buy AnswerMeThisStore.com and redirect it. I was being flippant. Well, I did You cannot take me seriously. When will you learn this? (laughs) You've known me for such a long time. You should be like, don't do anything Helen says. Well, the redirect is active. How Uh, much did that cost you? uh, It was about $20. Okay, so uh, answer me this door.com. That's right, yeah, you, can, you, can go there. you can go there and it'll redirect you to answer me this store.com <laughs> yeah. where you can buy our albums and our first 200 episodes. Correct. And here is a snippet of the aforementioned answer me this love. I love a wedding, I genuinely do. Well, you love theatre, don't you? Exactly. I like a show, I like dressing up, I like a, a good meal that someone's paid a decent amount of money for where there's cheese. You always wear tremendous outfits at weddings, Ollie. But on another level, I've been now to lots of weddings in my life. I'd quite like to go to one where it all fell apart at the last minute, just to see what that would be like. And would you want it to come from the couple, or from someone dramatically standing up and saying, I object! Wow. Mm. Uh, I think from my reaction now, it would have to be the objection, wouldn't it? Yeah. That yeah. is more dramatic. But I'd want the party to go ahead. 
I would want the meal. I wouldn't dress up and pay for the hotel without the meal. would be there, wouldn't it? No, but I think people just say, oh, no. No, I think people would be eager to gather together because you've got to talk about what you've just seen. I think probably, if anything, it would be more festive than a lot of weddings. Listeners, if you're gripped by the urge to call us and leave your questions on our voicemail, then you need to dial this number. 0208123 Or you can Skype answer me this. Hi guys, this is Ollie from Egham. Um, I'm sitting here watching Antiques Road Trip and the other day I watched that old episode of Only Fools and Horses where they found the very valuable watch they sold for so many millions of pounds and it got me thinking has anybody on one of these auction shows ever found something that's just ridiculously valuable so what is antiques road trip is it just like antiques road trip but with dennis hopper in it it's the um daytime ripoff it's exactly what you'd expect so whereas on antiques road show uh, you have people from all over the country go to where the thing's being recorded with their item of value that they actually know is worth quite a lot of money and then you get mm. some big valuations. On Antiques Road Trip... They just knock on people's doors and say, have you got any old shit? More or less. Sounds great. They give the antique dealers £200 each, which is a format point lifted shamelessly from Bargain Hunt. And then over the course of the five days, the same two experts go around the country trying to beat each other uh, by getting better things for their 200 quid. Um, so, uh, the record for the largest profit on a single item uh-huh. uh, on Antique Road Trip uh, is held by Charlie Ross, who in 2012 bought a chipped Staffordshire elephant clock for £8, mm-hmm. which was sold for... Oh, ceramic often goes for a lot mm. because it breaks and that dries up the value of the ones that haven't broken. It's chipped. What can it reasonably be worth? Oh, probably someone bought it for 20 grand and it was probably hideous. The Eight, China always does well when it's hideous. 800 quid? 800 pounds is Martin, higher or lower, Helen? Well, I said 20 grand. Okay, so you're going to stick with that your That mathematically is higher, Ollie. Yes, I, I know you weren't it. great at maths. Well, I'm afraid because of your uh, adamance, <laughs> uh, Martin has in fact won. Yes! Uh, even though it was in fact higher, it just wasn't right. as high as that. How much was it? Uh, 2,700 pounds. That's quite right. a lot. That's a, that's a hell of a profit, isn't it's, it? It's a big appreciation. From eight quid. But uh, if you look at the Antique Roadshow by comparison, mm-hmm. just, it just gives you an idea of how... Uh, you know, the, the Antiques Road trip is really just the fly on the arsehole of the Antiques Road Show. God, what a graphic image. Um, the Antiques Road Show. Is that a thing you just made up or is that an expression? It's an analogy I just made up. I well, did someone had that to wiki quote. Why would that be a fly on someone's bum? I guess I was thinking of an elephant with a fly on its bum, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Clock. Oh, okay, yeah. that's... That, okay. Yeah, Fine. This... It's the fly on the arsehole of the Chip Staffordshire <laughs> elephant clock, okay? Okay. Um... <laughs> Does Whatever. it have an arsehole? It's an analogy, it, so it doesn't matter. Is that's it a, a pencil sharpener? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, on the Antiques Roadshow, the most valuable thing, care to guess the amount? Oh, Antiques Roadshow. Bearing in mind the format is you come with your thing that you think is worth a lot of money. Uh, well, Antiques Roadshow, probably someone took in a first folio of Shakespeare and it was worth uh, millions. I'm going to say £200,000. £200,000, Martin Hoyer. Drunk Antiques Roadshow, it's the only way to watch it. I'll go higher. I think I'd say 250 uh, again, Martin is closer, but oh, again, wildly out in terms of the actual number. 600. Uh, a million. Cool million. What was it? It was a model of the Angel of the North, which, as what? far as I'm concerned, that's not isn't an antique. An antique. I thought yeah. they had to be 100 years old to be an antique. Apparently not. Apparently, you can take something in that's just 10 years old collectible, Bullshit. and that counts. Yeah. Why is that so valuable? But they, they stole the Angel of the North. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> when you say, uh, say a model, you mean a scale model one to one? Scrap metal is very valuable, so. 
I guess Anthony Gormley's really come up in value, hasn't it? And probably there was only one model before he built the real thing. Oh, so it is a Gormley model. It's not just like something they sell at the souvenir (laughs) shop. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, as someone who worked for a while producing an antiques segment of a daytime TV show... Did you? I did. I I produced uh, Eric Knowles and Madeline, can't remember her surname, talking about antiques on This Morning. You were about, what, 25 at the time? I was. Quite young to be doing that. I know, but I was... Sorry to be prejudicial. It just feels like more of an old-timers game. Uh, I I genuinely was the only straight man in the office. All the women and the gay men ended up doing the showbiz. and But just purely right. through the prejudicial heteronorms, I was given science and antiques and royals. Those were my three areas. <laughs> Whereas women and gay people can also wrap their heads around those things. Apparently not. Oh. Um, so those were my areas of specialist concern. So I was the, the antiques researcher... And if you've ever wondered, like, why it is that daytime telly is full of antiques shows, but they're all filmed on location, Mm -hmm. you know, whereas actually the most popular daytime TV shows, the ones in studios, like BBC Breakfast and This Morning and These Women, if you've ever wondered, why don't they bring the antiques to the studio? It's because, well, for a variety of reasons, but essentially, when you bring an antique that hasn't been sold yet, Mm -hmm. so this is why auctions also feature prominently in daytime antique formats... When you bring an antique that hasn't been sold yet, it is the property of the auction house. Mm -hmm. Whilst it's in their care, they're insured for it on their premises. As soon as it leaves their premises, it has to travel with someone from the auction house at all Ah. times. Until it reaches the studio at ITV or wherever it is, at which point their insurance covers it. When it's in transit, uh-huh. it needs to be escorted at all times like a child star, right? <laughs> now, if you're doing an antiques feature on daytime TV, say you've got 10 antiques, they need to come from multiple auction houses because you can't just feature one. No. So you've got 10 antique escorts who you have to look after for the morning. And that is a task so tedious uh-huh. that no one can bear it. Right. Which is why you don't get antique features on This Morning anymore. That was a real insight. Because you used to have to put them all in the green room, look after them all, fluff them all, give them croissants and coffee, and they're all very tedious people. Uh, and so it's really laborious looking after them. So that, that is essentially the reason. And you can't leave the, the antiques in the office overnight either. God, no. So they have to arrive for the rehearsal at 8.30 in the morning. So all of these antique experts with their antiques need to be in cabs at 6 in the morning uh. to get there. That's why. That's why they're, all those cheap antique shows are filmed in auction houses because of insurance. I have new sympathy. So now you know. What do you do when you want to drown out your incessant interior monologue? Sing opera loudly, try pneumatic drilling, or bash your head against a log. Or go to answermethispodcast.com slash audible and get a free trial to download Miranda Hart or Louis Theroux or Hunger Games or Jeremy Kyle. That sounds preferable. Yes, thank you very much to our friends at Audible who are offering you a free audiobook. Have you got yours yet? How do you eat yours? Oh no, you listen to yours. Yeah, you can't really eat it because it's intangible. You do insert it into your body though, don't you? And it is, comes is through your earpipes. insert into your body eating, Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> You've made me think about that. I think yes, everything I insert into my body I eat. Right. I think. Q-tips? Uh, <laughs> yeah. And a bit. Is there a problem with that? Uh, I bought Harvey a toy the other day that are just like anal beads. <laughs> I couldn't believe what? I really, I thought, is this a toy or is this just being sold in a bring and buy sale for parents? Is this for mum and dad? Um, anyway, um, Audible's not like a sex toy. <laughs> it's, uh, although there is erotica on there. 
Yes. Um, it's actually a platform with over 150,000 novels, memoirs, comedy shows and more to choose from. And the and more, it does include dirty books. It does. Uh, so you can download it for free, keep it on your phone forever. Um, and by so doing, uh, to do that, you have to take up a free trial at Audible. Which you can cancel at any time. Indeed. Uh, you are giving us cash. Uh, because uh, it's you, your way of telling Audible to support us. Yes, which they do with cash. Which they do with cash, to it's be clear. It's a circle of love. So it's, it's absolutely a, a promotion for winners, this. Um, it, it's really easy to do as well, by the way. All you need to do now uh, is uh, register with your Amazon account. So, oh. so long as, you've, so long as you've ever used any Amazon service, like Amazon Prime Instant Video or Amazon.com, you can just log on wherever you are in the world and you can get this deal. Interesting, because I think I have two Amazon accounts, which oh. might mean... Two audiobooks for me. <laughs> An audio bonanza. So uh, go and get yours at answermethispodcast.com slash audible. Here's a question from Nate, who says, I'm reading a feature in a magazine about flying cars. There's an intriguing number here. Mm-hmm. 9,000,000. 242,738. Okay. Apparently the 9,242,738 patent, at least in America... Is for some sort of flying car. Well, that's exciting, isn't it? Ollie, answer me this. What is patent number one? Or more broadly, what is the first thing ever patented? Is that the same question? It's not. Ah. Uh, because uh, when he says what is patent number one uh, with reference to 9,242,738, uh, what he means is in, in the USA, as we know it now, what was the first patent of the US Congress? Mm-hmm. Uh, the answer to that uh, is Samuel Hopkins's patent for making potash, um, which Whoa. was issued on July 31st, 1790, <laughs> um, by no less than President George Washington himself. Gosh! Uh, you can see the certificate online. It's actually a patent that is actually signed personally by the president that's how important in those days the idea of intellectual property was becoming what's potash again it's something that you use in fertilizer oh yeah yeah Yeah. but as nate points out there's a another question which is what was the first thing ever patented because let's assume america being quite a young country that the first thing patented by their congress isn't actually the first thing ever patented patent patent you'll notice i'm using both so i'm i can't decide i can't decide my instinct is patented but uh mine too that's why i'm overriding it in case i'm wrong and the answer to that uh you can divvy up by territory the first in north america mm-hmm. uh, was 1641 when samuel winslow was uh, granted the first patent uh, by the massachusetts said it right that time by the Massachusetts General Court uh, for a new process for making salt. Mm. Uh, In the UK, uh, 1331 is the first recorded one. Uh, It was again issued personally by the king uh, to John Kemp and his company, although uh, the detail's been lost as to what exactly John Kemp and his company did. Mm. But anyway, they're they're protected by law to do it. (laughs) But of course, if you go to the ancient world, it goes even further back than that. Uh, And according to Athenius, writing in the third century, there were patents back then for people who had designed especially elegant pots uh, to make sure that their designs could be protected and that they'd continue to earn a royalty. But the patent only lasted for a year. Huh, so, but what's the point in that? It's extraordinary. You think how long Louis Vuitton have managed to hold on to designing three initial letters interlocked. You know, you design a, a, mm. an, an exciting pot and you only get a year's worth of copyright out of it. That's the ancient world for you. I remember um, being told by an uh, archaeologist, I think, they used to transport olive oil and wine and things in these pots and they come from all over Europe and they, and they just chuck them away. So 
Rome has these huge piles of just like debris, where, and you can trace back the origins of these bits of pots to all over the all over the ancient world. That's the kind of thing that archaeologists tell you, and you think, God, that sounds really exciting to be an archaeologist. Yeah. And then you remember they spend all their days like on their knees Bru- in the lab, brushing. just brushing a little bit of mud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Etymology queen. Okay. Do you care to guess where the word patent comes from? Or patent. Is it from an open letter or document from some authority, shortened form of Anglo-French lettre patente, literally open letter? It's amazing how you did all that off the top of your head. I did. Um, well, yes. Uh, apparently, um, the very first patents in Renaissance Italy used to hang so that the seal was open so that everyone could see it, like a public declaration, like when your wedding bands get posted or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's where, that, where it comes from. It's Latin for open letter. Everyone can see it. The public shall come and they shall see that you own this property. That's where the word comes from. Well, Nate has a secondary question. He says, I read somewhere that a few years ago, someone registered for and received a patent for toast. While that's surely one of the dumbest and most unenforceable modern patents, Ollie, answer me this. What was the most ridiculous patent in history granted for? You know, that's very subjective, isn't it? Um, Some things look ridiculous on paper, uh, like dancing cacti or stress balls that are shaped like cocks. But there's money to be made. Well, they look like a cock on paper. (laughs) But the point is, if there's money to be made, the inventor deserves a cut of that cash, doesn't he or she? Um, So, you know, if there's a business in it, I'm not sure that any patent is completely ridiculous. Mm. But um, if I were to choose one personally, it would be the 2001 patent for user-operated amusement apparatus for kicking the user's buttocks. What? Um, This was a sort of wheel with lots of boots on it um a bit like a sort of ship's steering wheel mm-hmm. um and then i suppose like a circus performer or some kind of cabaret performer would stand in front of the wheel and then crank a pedal and kick themselves in the ass someone painted in that not in the victorian days of circus that sounds like terry gilliam would have invented that <laughs> exactly but at the turn of this century Fabulous. someone painted that yeah. the turn of this 21st century yes, yes 2001 someone managed to get a patent on that have they made one uh, I do not know. Hmm. Um, if they do, they're the only ones that are allowed to without paying themselves royalty. <laughs> uh, right, quick question. Uh, Narnia books, the Narnia Chronicles, whatever you want to call them, that, uh, Christian propaganda that we all love from our childhood. When do they go in? Will they go into the public domain or will they keep being renewed on the copyright law or or what? Because I've got an idea for a story that I want to base in Narnia, but I'm pretty sure the uh, the C.S. Lewis family will not approve of it because they're going to modernise it. It's going to be good. Answer that. There are Narnia-related things that have happened. There's a band called Narnia. People have written Narnia albums. And I'm sure they've written a lot of Narnia slash fic. I'm sure, I was about to say, I'm sure there's Narnia porn out there. Yeah. Oh, I've been a naughty fawn. And the C.S. Lewis family are raking it in yeah. from that. <laughs> Vivid Entertainment cut them a very good deal. Well, no, but you see, there's a distinction in law, isn't there? That's parody. Porn, porn is parody. Porn, well, if, if it's a parody, if you're doing jokes about... What if it's dead serious? <laughs> Aslan fucking. <laughs> I think if it was The Lion, The Witch and The Pawn Drobe, then that, that's an obvious uh, joke, isn't it? I think if you, you're not allowed to call it after the same thing. So, yeah, no, you, oh, couldn't, okay. you, you couldn't say Narnia, but you could make it look exactly like The Lion, Witch and The Pawn and you could have the feature yeah. of the characters going through a wardrobe to fuck each other. Chronicles of Pornia? That kind of thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm just trying to workshop this. The lion, the dick, and the wardrobe. Yes, yeah. well, there we go. We won this. But if his version is not a pornographic version, right, yes. and not a parody, because parody <laughs> means you can get away with quite a lot, Yes. is it going to be like one of those things where 
someone does an updated version of Pride and Prejudice, say. I know that is well out of copyright now because Jane Austen's been dead for nearly 200 years. Mm. But it feels like he ought to be able to. But they are still in copyright because uh, different in different countries... Yeah. So the books are out of copyright in Canada. Why? So they're available on Project Gutenberg for free. But oh. there's a little notice at the top going, if you're not from Canada, don't look. Oh. <laughs> uh, but it doesn't geolocate you or anything, so you can still look. Good tip to get a book for free that you could pretty much get from any, any charity shop for 20p yeah. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's more difficult to read it for free on Project Gutenberg. Um, so they were printed through the 1950s. UK copyright is usually 70 years after the author's death. C.S. Lewis died in 1963, so you'd be waiting until 2033 anyway. Mm-hmm. And then the Lewis estate has renewed copyright in various places. So in the US, it renewed it, I think, for 70 years in 1978. Um, and so that's taking you even longer away. I don't know if you'll still want to do them by the I'm time they're out of copyright. That. I do think the principles of copyright law can't be changed just because you get a hit. They manage to find ways around it, don't they? They say, oh, Mickey Mouse is the figurehead of the Disney Corporation, so so therefore everything involving Mickey Mouse in the 1930s is still in copyright. And it's like, well, that's not the spirit of the law, is it? The spirit of the law is, by now, we should all be able to print T-shirts with Steamboat Willie on them. I suppose when it's something visual and you're replicating the visual, then they are losing money if someone buys the non-legit version. Mm. But with this, if it's a book and you were going to do something different with the book... Like, it'd be different if this guy wanted just to print his own copies of Narnia books and sell them. Yeah, but he wants to take the idea. If he wants to take the idea. You might as well write it because no one's going to print it anyway, probably. Well, that's the truth, yeah. Have you seen that they're making another Mary Poppins film at the moment? What's going to happen in that? Uh, she flew off. She's... Is it where Jane and Michael Banks are disaffected adults? Yep. And uh, she comes and she tells them to stop being so entitled? Yep, that's it. Is it? Yep. <laughs> Basically. But also, she'll be closer to retirement age then, so she'll be like, oh, God, fuck's sake. It's... <laughs> it's sort yourselves out. When's the original set? Uh, the original set, well, it's suffragette era, isn't it? So what's that? So it's early 20th century, because right. they're still right. wearing um, crinoline type dresses. So it's set kind of, yeah, 15 years later, they've got their own family. So they've, uh, they're awaiting wars. Yes. They've been through one, but they haven't had the other one. And who can cheer them up in such tough times? An exorbitantly expensive nanny on an umbrella. If it is set during Second World War, then her flying on her umbrella is very dangerous in London. <laughs> yeah, she could get shot down at any moment. God. All <laughs> uh, people would assume she's a spy. Also, I, am, I imagine that they can't not have Julie Andrews involved in some way if she's still alive whilst they're filming. But equally, she can't sing and she's definitely too old to still play Mary Poppins. What are they going to do? I reckon, right, here's my guess mm-hmm. for what the Mary Poppins movie will look like when it comes out in three years' time. Right. I reckon it'll start with a shot of a book opening. It'll be her narrating it. Or there'll be like a kind of super nanny's agency and she'll be running the agency. <laughs> or she'll play one of the elderly cranky bankers because they're bound to have a callback to that scene. Yeah. Yes, maybe. Although that's the least successful, isn't it? Even in a film that has uh, Dick Van Dyke's Cockney accent. Then in your awesome knowledge I'll be basking in some bad I'm so alone No one to email No one to email And no one to phone Where can I get new friends from? Answer me this podcast.com Here's a question 
question from Colin who says, Ollie, answer me this. Has the Queen been into every room in Buckingham Palace? May I just say, first of all, happy birthday, ma'am. Again. I think. She's really been milking it. <laughs> well, to be fair, we all get one birthday a year. She gets two. Well, that's unfair, isn't it? To be fair, yeah. there should be no monarchy, to be fair. <laughs> But anyway, this question from Colin is ultimately unanswerable because it was documented every time the Queen goes in one of the guest rooms. Do they not have an ankle tag on her? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a little bit of GPS. How many rooms does Buckingham Palace have? 775. Okay. Uh, 19- I mean, she's, she's, she's really old, so she's had time. She has, but I think the chances are that she's been in every one of the 19 state rooms. Probably on an annual basis, she'd be in every one of those state rooms for something. Yeah. Why do you need so many state rooms? Are they, like... Well, they want Solid, liquid, gas. <laughs> different sizes. Some of them might be offensive to dignitaries from a certain country. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, one of them is going to be more suited for military receptions. One of them is going to be mm. more suited for entertaining yeah. the president, you know. Sometimes you might have 400 pals around for dinner, sometimes just 60. You don't want it to seem like the dining room is empty. Exactly. We've all been there. Do you think that Buckingham Palace is one of those rich person homes that also hasn't been updated for a really long time, so it has that many rooms but only two toilets? Well, <laughs> no, there are 78 bathrooms. 78. So they're okay for toilets. She's probably been in a few of them. Um, but uh, it hasn't been redecorated substantially since the 1950s. Does Buckingham Palace have an in-house Starbucks yet? Um, almost certainly. A branch of giraffe. Uh, they do have a chapel. <laughs> Good callback. Uh, they do have a chapel, a post office, a swimming pool. A swimming pool? A cafeteria, a doctor's surgery and a cinema. Wow. Um, Bookies. But I then, bet she has an in-house branch of William Hill. But then, yeah, I bet she does, actually. Yeah. And that's not that surprising when you consider that 188 people live there. She right. has She has uh, 426 staff of which 188 live in. Yeah, well, they're constantly dusting the curtain permits. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of it to do. Um, so anyway, in a way, that's the answer to the question. I think it's, I'm going to say it's unlikely she's been to every room because even if she shagged around, and I'm not saying she does, I'm just saying even if you she did. You can go into a room even if you're not having sex in it. I think Imagine un- that, Ollie. I think it's <laughs> unlikely that she will have made it round all 188 staff bedrooms. So even if she's seen mm. all the rooms that she could just walk into without there being a faff. What if she likes to check that everyone's turned the lights off when they're not inside the room? Yeah, I still think, mm. you know, let's let's be generous and say she's visited half the staff bedrooms, might, which I think is talk, also unlikely. She might took people in at night. But of the rooms that are Queen relevant, I wonder what they are and how many of them there are. What other rooms does the Queen actually need for queening? <laughs> she presumably sleeps. Yep. She probably has breakfast in a different room to the room she eats other meals in. Yeah. She'll have a wardrobe. She has a very extensive collection of hats. Those take up room. Dog dog room? Dogs have the run of the place. But I'm still tr- struggling to fill 700 rooms. I don't have the imagination to be a royal. Uh, well, I mean, you've got to think of yourself not as a modern-day royal, but as a royal from 200 years ago when the place was designed as well. It's such an odd thing to design as well. And you're like, well, we've got 500. Do we need more? Might as well chuck a few on. Just make them random shapes and sizes so they can think about what to do with them later. I think... If it weren't for the fact that her parents were all like, there's a war on and we've got to show solidarity. Mm. I think if there wasn't any stigma to the Queen deciding to abandon Buckingham Palace, Mm. 
She'd have left decades ago. She would have got one of those um, yuppie penthouses at Vauxhall that they've built on the river. She was happy on her boat, wasn't she? Was she? Obviously, she cried when Britannia was decommissioned. Aww. She likes Sandringham. She likes being outside. There's no way if the Queen was choosing somewhere to live, she'd choose a big roundabout in the centre of town. Well, our, our friend Jim is selling a narrowboat on the River Lee. <laughs> I think she's got the money for it. Yeah. There are toilets and showers in the marina, <laughs> so she wouldn't have to use the chemical one. Towpath is muddy, though. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of Answer Me This. Please contribute your questions via email, phone or Skype and all of our contact details are on our website. Answermethispodcast.com Where you can also find links to buy our first 200 episodes and our albums and our apps. Uh, And remember that we have other podcasts on the interwebs as well. Uh, In fact, uh, The Modern Man, my show, uh, modernman.co.uk has just come to the end of its current series. Uh, There's an interview with a man who lives in the forest. I go and meet a modern day hermit. And I'm doing an illusion live show oh when's uh, that it's on the 24th of september at 4 30 p.m at king's place uh in london so get your tickets now that's yeah. a while away but i've got loads of tickets to sell so okay. do buy them <laughs> uh, so it'll be an hour of uh basically stand up about handwriting that's what it's going to be sounds good well it sounds it sounds like a good description of what you are going to do Which... i can't give any kind of quality assessment I'm no oh, i'm still celebrating my 100th episode of my music podcast the sound of the ladies podcast how so. are you continuing to celebrate that oh people are covering my songs the sound of the ladies podcast where would you get it oh soundcloud no give us a url <laughs> yeah soundcloud.com slash sotl hyphen podcast get a better url martin <laughs> jesus they're not that expensive just google Ollie got answer me this door.com and you can't even get your own <laughs> bloody domains uh, and please rejoin us listeners in two weeks time for more answer me this and remember to get your free audiobook in the meantime thanks bye, bye.